Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Why. I'm your host, Axel Ryan Inzi. As Black History Month is coming to a close, it is left time for me to reflect on the impact black figures have on American history. From rappers such as Lauryn Hill and Kanye West, to artists such as John Michael Basquiat and Alma W. Thomas, there is something that everyone can learn from black history. One of the key things I also reflect on during this month is about my own experience as a student of color at a boarding school. For me, this identity comes with a lot of responsibility. I am able to bring a new perspective to an institution that has some dark history with diversity and inclusion. Today, I am with another one of those trendsetters. She is a member of Hosh's class of 94 and associate director of diversity and inclusion, as well as an instructor in humanities and social sciences. Please welcome Dr. Norman. So first off, thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Norman. How you been? I've been good, right? It's been, the semester's been going. I think we're all getting to that point where we are ready for spring break. <laughs> yes, I think I've definitely been feeling that at this point of the school year, especially just knowing that it's right around the corner, but we just got to push through it. We got to push through it. We're going to do it. Yep, exactly. So introduce yourself to the audience a little bit. Who is Dr. Norman? Oh, good question. Um, so Dr. Norman is a Jamaican-born woman that was raised in Brooklyn, New York, um, and who is, right, like, big up New York, <laughs> you know, who is um, just really passionate about Black history, right, in, in, in all its forms and, you know, global Black history and, sort, and, and, and teaching, and, and having more people understand and, and get to know how integral Black history is just to global history, honestly. Um, I'm also just, I love to read, I love to cook, <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I love to travel. Like I love meeting new people and having new experiences, right? So I'm also a bit of an adventurer. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, describe your journey to discovering Hotchkiss. Uh, for co- context to the audience, you are alum class of 94, is that correct? Yes, 94. Yeah, so tell us your story to discovering Hotchkiss. Um, so Hotchkiss, I came to Hotchkiss through way of the Albert G. Oliver program, and that's a program that was based in New York um, that the primary goal was to connect Black and Hispanic students in high-performing New York City junior high schools with uh, prep schools, right? Whether it be in New York City or boarding schools. Uh, And so in about seventh grade, um, a man named John Hoffman, who at the time was running the Oliver program and JT, who was all sort of like his right-hand person, they came uh, to my school. I went to um, junior high school in Brooklyn, New York, um, 117 in Farragut projects, and it was called Sat West at the time. It was, you know, some one of the specialized junior high school programs in New York. And they came in seventh grade because, you know, they were sort of asking teachers who were some of your top students. And a group of us met with them. They talked a little bit. We were like, okay, yeah, you know, uh, whatever. Um, and then eighth grade came around and then it, they got a little bit more serious and sort of started coming to school regularly, meeting with us, wanting to talk to our parents and um, you know, at the time, my parents were like, oh, 
specifically my mother was like, okay, you know, private school. All right. There's better level of education. She's still be in the city. Okay. This is, this is something that will be beneficial for her, you know, cause as my parents being sort of very, I hate to say typical, but typical immigrants, they came to this country to provide a better life for their children. Right. So my mom was like, okay, this is great. Like through education, you could reach new heights. Um, what happened though is when we went, there were two different days for interviewing for Oliver. One day was a day school and one day was boarding school. At the time, I was an avid reader and I was reading this book about a group of young women who were at this boarding school. And I was like, there have, this sounds great. You live with your friends, you go to school, like, yeah. And so I had my father, unbeknownst to him, sign the permission slip for us to interview on the Sunday when it was only boarding schools. I didn't tell my mom. So we show up on Sunday um, and my mom's looking around and she's like, oh, Deerfield, Groton, George School. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, we're the New York schools. Like we, we want that section. And they were like, that was yesterday. Like today is only boarding schools. And my mom was like, well, we didn't want a boarding school. And, you know, my father looked over at me and <laughs> I just kind of like, oh, what happened? Like, how do we get mixed <laughs> up? This is so crazy. Um, but all that to say, I ended up interviewing with um, a man named Curtis Spence, who at the time was uh, an admissions officer here at Hotchkiss. And it was just, you know, he talked to me about Hotchkiss and it just seemed like a good fit. He was, you know, he was really excited. You know, he talked to my parents. And one of the big things I have to say that really helped is that he was an, he was an African-American man, right? And for my mom, you know, he put her, he was like, yes, there are some, you know, they're not many, but there are black students there. He told him about Walter Crane, who was a Dean of Students at the time that he was black. So it, it, he sort of helped really to make my mom feel a little bit more comfortable about that decision. And we kind of just moved forward. Yeah. And just to make sure that Oliver's program um, you were talking about, that is to be associated with Oliver Scholars? Yes. So the name shifted yeah. to become Oliver Scholars, Oliver Scholars program now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like for me, being a New Yorker, I think like the holy trinity of programs, <laughs> I would like to call it is like prep and prep, <laughs> which is where I, what I went to, um, A Better Chance, also known as ABC. ABC. And then Oliver Scholars and most of the people is like, oh, like they either like applied of those programs or they go through one of them. Yep. And then also, I guess a fourth one is Teeks as well. I think that. Which uh, one? Teeks. Oh, that's new. Uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with yeah, that one. one is a little more on a little bit unknown, but there are still students who go through that. So mm -hmm. I think that's quite interesting. But again, continuing on on that story. Now that once you got into Hoshkiss and you knew like, okay, this is a school I was going to, what was that transition like for you? Um, it was interesting. Prep year, I mean, the first day was a little scary, of course, right? Like I think for anybody. And when I got here, I was I wasn't prepared for the difference between me and the majority of the kids that were here, right? Like, you know, I'd visited. I'd even spent a weekend night over after I got in um, and I, you know, met a couple of, at that time they were upper mids. And so, you know, I knew a couple of people, but like to come into like my prep class when it's just us there, it was, it was really intimidating. So I, I always laugh at this story because I showed up in my cute little New York polka dot outfit and like cute little shoes and whatnot. And everybody was wearing Birkenstocks, which I'd never heard of in my life. Um, you know, like khaki shorts. And, and I was just like, oh, what is these, these, these kids have no style. And, and then come to find out that we were going to be like running around outside. And I was like, oh, I'm not dressed for this. 
like this is nobody nobody told me that this is what would be happening um but on my first day I befriended my friend Jamie Downey who you know we're still friends um and because she was coming from Florida and also kind of felt like oh this is these weird people like this is weird and we bonded over the fact that we were like yeah this is all a little weird um and and you know prep year was actually for me really fun like I met a lot of people you know at the time there was um the seniors uh, particularly the the blacks and hispanic seniors were super welcoming and you know they'd been sort of the, some of the first students who had started basa so you know they were just sort of telling us about that and we're super excited to see you know so many preps like because in my class alone like i came in with two other oliver scholars who i knew benjil edgel and steve turner and then marcel deans um, Kumi, like we had enough, we had more, they were telling us, they're like, you all have more students of color in your, particularly black students in your class than we ever did. Um, so they were like, you know, take advantage of that and make sure that you always sort of have a connection. And they were really intentional about making sure that we were all across the classes, like, you know, connected and spending time. I remember, you know, they were one of the first to sort of organize these, um, day trips to other boarding schools with you know with their like black and hispanic student association um for us to sort of just visit and get to know each other in the area so that was really cool actually prep year um academically i struggled a little bit right it was a total it was total environment like you know it came in and the students were a little bit more advanced and specifically in english and i'll never forget my teacher mr george Faison, who who retired but i like i heard that there are some seniors who had him when he sort of came to sub for someone. He recognized that I was struggling and sort of took me aside and talked about it. And then he gave me private like tutoring lessons so that until I caught up like over the course of like a month to the rest of the students. And I'll never forget that, you know, um, I really appreciated that. And I, I really sort of, you know, um, struggled, but, but eventually, but I felt like I had a lot of support. Yeah. And as you talked um, about your transition story, you talked about how you kind of felt unprepared, although you went there for a weekend and you had a sense of what the school was like and how it looked like and what your day might potentially be. Do you feel that there is any other way you could have been more prepared or you felt like looking back at it now, no matter how much you prepared for it, there's still some stuff you weren't going to expect? I think definitely there were still some things that I wasn't, you know, going to expect, but I think that something that I think happens now, well, now they have sort of like bridge program and that I think is really cool. Um, uh, I think that it would have been nice if just like for prep orientation, they're kind of like, hey, you're going to be traipsing around in the woods, like, hey, you're gonna be, because I think they went on the assumption of like their typical student being, you know, like a white male kid who's used to, or like, well, who's used to spending summers, you know, in places like this, right? Like going to camp and doing those kinds of things. Like, you know, although I, I had friendly, my best friend did that. Like my family, we didn't do that because my parents didn't believe in, you know, sending kids away in the summer and that kind of thing. So some kind of, you know, preparation in that sense, I think would have helped me feel, because I literally felt like I stood out like a sore thumb, like in my dope ass New York outfit. That <laughs> just was not meant for rural Connecticut. Yeah. And one of the other things you mentioned was the connection for, um, with students of color from all the grades in at Hotchkiss when you were there at the time. How did that connection shape you and your experience at Hotchkiss? And how did that feel like 
if you could elaborate on what it was to just like visit other schools and be like, oh, there's people of color at other New England boarding schools as well. Um, that honestly, I have to say that made such a difference for me in terms of like feeling as if like, hey, I wasn't alone here, right? And that I had a community that would have my back. You know, like we, we talk about that now, like as we have sort of like an alumni BASA group, like how, you know, of course, no one is gonna get along, right? With everybody. That's just, just, that's just not the way it goes. But I always knew that no matter what, if something happened, I could go to Cream or Sultan or Darren or, and they would be like, okay, somebody give you a problem, what's going on, what happened? And that level of connection just across all of us was just so important. And it was built through BASA, it was built through, you know, like, hanging out and you know them playing like they had a little boom box and like on senior grass playing some hip-hop and we'd all be there and they'd invite us all on so i think what was great is how intentional they were about that because they knew they'd been so few of them right and they knew how important it was to let make sure that we were okay and that we felt some kind of connection that we knew that there were folks who had our backs and then it was it was great to go to those other schools and see like okay other students of color, like, what are you going through? What's your experience like? You know, I mean, I think in that time, the majority of us were from New York, right? And then there were a few, though, from the Midwest. And it was interesting, actually, to meet that, because I was like, Black people from the Midwest, like, this is, this is different. And for them, we were different, right? Like, they, we would say things, they'd be like, what? What are y'all talking about? And I'd be like, what are, you, what are you talking about? So even within, right, like the, our like Black community seeing that kind of diversity, right? And then we also had socioeconomic diversity. There were some students who were here, like they weren't on scholarship, didn't come through a program, you know, they just, they'd grown up in like wealthy communities. And this was sort of, you know, like something that was normal for their family. So that, that was also really interesting. And we talked about it, right? Like we were super open about that at that time. Yeah, and seeing from what you said, there's just such a large diversity. I think even now I could say that myself with a much more large group of students of color, I could see that diversity myself. So my question for you is, what does it mean to be a student of color at a PWI in general? Ah, That's a good question. I think what it means is that, you know, you're for me you have an opportunity now to be exposed to so many other different people and cultures i think also too it's an opportunity for you to expose the wider community to your culture right like i think that especially now um given the the climate and the time you know like you students of color are like bringing so much um, such an addition in bringing like, you know, more cultural awareness, bringing, um, you know, a, a broader experience and a broader sense of self and what it is to be a student at one of these institutions now that I, and, and instead of being like assimilating, like forcing the culture to expand so that like it, you know, you're able to feel comfortable in that space. And I don't think that, you know, I think there was much more assimilation, I think expected of us as students of color at that time in a PWI. And I think now um, I see more, I see students of color making that space. And I love that, you know, I think the other thing too, that I see um, with students of color now that we didn't have as much then is sort of the, the community that's created, like there was no Asian 
American students. There was no Pan-Asian. There was, there was none of that when I was a student here. I, the, the one affinity group I remember is just BASA, like Black and Hispanic Students Association. And in many cases, even you know the Latin American students initially didn't join. In my year, we did because we had a couple that we, they were really good friends of ours. And you know, to them, it was like, oh, in this country, I'm Hispanic or Latino. I'm just used to being El Salvadorian or, or Costa Rican or Colombian. So it was, um, I, I think it, it means, you know, sort of really pushing and expanding and creating a greater culture and a greater level of diversity. As we talked about Dr. Norman's journey to Hotchkiss and what it means to be a student of color at a PWI, I mentioned her generation of Hotchkiss students and some of the pop culture trends during her time. Yeah, definitely. And going back um, from you being a class of 94, for me, that's a really long time ago. I wasn't even born in 1994. Um, can you kind of like describe the conditions of Hotchkiss during your time as a student? Like maybe some of the pop culture that was going on there, if you remember, maybe, or just like probably like the usual thing that was going on around students that was generally going on at Hotchkiss. Okay, so Hotchkiss looked different even when I was a student here. Like the way the main building is now, like it, it comes out and it's like this column expanse of that, that was, none of that was there. We didn't have a student center. We literally just, that hallway where you go past like what's now the Dean's wing, that's all we had was that hallway. And then there'd be couches in that hallway with some windows. Um, but that was it. Like, and we'd hang out there, you know, we had cubbies where people would just, you know, leave their things. What we all know now is where, um, Dr. Martin's office is and where, uh, Mr. Talawi's office that, that was our snack bar. <laughs> like what, what's your snack bar now? I'm trying to like, try to remember what that was, but it definitely was not an open space <laughs> at all. Um, the song that I remember most like from you know it's brand nubian like slow down like brand nubian slow down was the jam from i have no idea who he is (laughs) brand nubian i have no clue i'm gonna be honest right now i expect you to google that man i'm I'm definitely gonna have to google that after this interview back then that was a time a tribe called quest brand nubian de la soul right like everybody was sort of on this kind of like afrocentric kind of kicking the music, but at the same time, it was a time of, um, you know, what OPP, yeah, you know me, you know what OPP, oh, like, gosh. So we had, I mean, the jams, like, to me, like, hip-hop classics and jams, and what was cool is that we were, we were getting DJs in that were playing that music, and, like, so everybody was getting into hip-hop. I remember <laughs> these two white sophomores who like knew all the dance the Humpty dance and had like a whole routine. I remember coming and being like, what? Y'all know the Humpty, what? <laughs> I mean, they were like two kids from like the Upper West and like Humpty. And so like, we were all like, it'd literally be a dance where we go from like um, brown eyed girl to Humpty dance. Um, and by the time I was, when did Kim and them were a year younger than me? I think by the time I was like a lower mid, upper mid, like there was some reggae up in the piece too, a little bit like, yeah. So the dances used to be, the, the DJ ones, right? As particularly like used to be, you know, it'd be quite a bit of if hip hop and we'd make requests and stuff. Um, but it was, you know, we would, um, there was a dance almost 
or some kind of like band or something every Saturday night in the dining hall. They would like clear out the dining hall. There was like a committee um, and, you know, who would be doing all setting, setting all of that up. Uh, we had a hard and fast study hall. I don't know about this, this like study hall now. This is the weird hours. It was seven to nine every night. Like, wait, Saturday. what? Yes. Seven to nine? Lower mids, uh, preps and lower mids and your first semester up mid year, seven to nine, no messing around. And then you got nine to nine 30 you got 30 minutes of snack bar like social hour but you pour out and go to snack bar 30 minutes of free <laughs> See? Look at exactly what <laughs> wait and you'd have to be back in your door by 9 30 and then lights out at 10 if, yeah lights out at 10 or 11 10 I, I feel i don't remember staying up until 11 o'clock but don't like i liked i liked sleep so i was going to bed yeah me, me as well wait i wasn't trying to hang out so maybe i was like I have to I'll have to ask like my I feel like lights out was earlier than it is now for y'all um but yeah that was that was that was the typical like you know typical day like I'm sorry I can't even imagine seven and nine study <laughs> like I like I think we had that like a few times last year but like for every week yes. five yes. days a week five seven and nine days, not even five six days a week because Sunday, study hall, seven to nine. What? Yeah, y'all have study hall on Sunday? I mean, like, we have study conditions. So, like, people are so allowed to into dorm. I don't, I don't know how you're as just surprised as I am. <laughs> so, then inter-dorming? Yeah. That started my... So, you... Okay, so in the room. So, you could go to another dorm but you had to be in the common room because back then all we had common rooms all the dorms yeah. had common rooms like unfortunately you know, those turns into I know doubles i know i don't i and even sure on be. like bigger dorms like well bissell doesn't exist anymore so where uh, one of the new fancy dorms is red lake was this, that, yeah, which red is lake. what i i'm in red lake right yes. now so. so that used to be bissell that was an upper class and it was big and on both sides we had common rooms um and so you know guys were allowed to come over during like those times and being, I think only actually for, no, because Jason Palanger did come and visit us when we were preps, but you had to be, again, you had to be in the common room, uh, you know, sort of let the faculty know. Um, but then in room, like visiting in somebody's room, that started my upper mid year. And it was very strict. It was door open lights on three feet on the floor. And they, and people walked up and down the hall. Wait, three sure. feet, like, Use, yeah, three feet on the floor. Use your imagination. <laughs> so things are quite wow. different. Yes, yes. And that and literally that just started upper mid-year. And then, oh, I forgot the best part. We used to have to dress for dinner. So my prep year, and I think up through the first semester of my lower mid-year, we had to dress for dinner. So you would have to go to school, go to class, then go do your co-curricular, then go home and hopefully you showered and then come back, dress, and then come back to the dining hall to eat. And then like fork and knives and all. Yeah, and like, it wasn't and like so this. formal, formal. Yeah, that part had stopped by the time we searched. So it wasn't like super formal, but okay. you could, but you just, you had to be in dress code for dinner. Oh, so, so like you didn't have to be in plus one. It was just like polo. Okay. No, 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 oh. no, no. Like, so what y'all know is dress one, that was just dress code. There was no different gradations. It was just oh. dress code. So it was like, 
and people got dress coded hard. Men, guys had to have either a jacket and a shirt and tie or a turtleneck, proper slacks, girls, you know, like dress, slacks, whatever. Like, and, and people would, if you, we would get away with colored jeans sometimes, but you had faculty member who were like, you're wearing jeans because it has pockets on the back, go home and change. Um, and people got dress coded hard because even when I was here, um, there was a professor who had went here, his son, he was a math teacher. He was like approaching, I don't know, 80s. He might be, to me, he seemed like he was a hundred, but I don't think he was that old. And they and it was a number of who like went here when it was an all boys school and who were very like, they were very strict and very particular. Yeah. Gosh, it was a different way, world. <laughs> the way how, how the school changed the, the past few years it's crazy because like our experience are so different yes yes like yes. even down to just like how you live in a dorm is drastically different yeah 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 i mean and also too when i was here like i i remember so the frankenbox were my dorm parents and so it's kind of cool that they're still here. wait that is oh now no, you just messed my brain up Serena so wilson much. was my french teacher Wait, 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 wait. So my French teacher, my prep year was also your French teacher. My lower mid-year. Yes. Yes. I started taking French my lower mid-year and she was my, I was in French 100 or one, whatever it is. And she 150 and she was my French teacher. Yeah. Gosh, wait until she listens to this episode and she's going to respond to me with some email and I'm going to be like, <laughs> I didn't know. What? And like, Hermosa was my Spanish teacher. Um, and who uh, Thomas, Tom Drake, Mr. Drake is still here. He was, he was, a, he was here, a history teacher, still a history teacher. Um, who else? There, I, I'm missing. Oh, Brad Faust, um, Charlie Noyes, who's sort of, you know, is here. Um, I'm missing somebody else I'm missing. I hope they don't get mad that I don't remember. Oh, you know who, Dave, who works in the post office was here when I was a student. When I was a student, he worked in the bookstore. And I remembered him because I interviewed him my prep year just to find out about who he was and his background. And um, yeah, so some longevity going on at Hotchkiss. (laughs) You see, it's crazy because we're like, it seems like we're so disconnected, but then we're so connected at the same time. Yes. Yes. And I think yeah. that's the beauty, right? Like, of a yeah, place. definitely. So continuing on that, what I mean, we kind of brushed up on it a little bit, but what were the key differences between the student of color experience back then to the student of color experience now, especially now that you're working at Hotchkiss and you're able to observe a little bit? Um, well, first of all, there's so many more, like, honestly, when I got back, I was like, wait, what, what, like, (laughs) you know, and even like my first class to have, you know, sign on and to see so many students of color, um, in the classroom, I was just like, wow, because there were times when you were the only one, like, honestly, you know, I lucked out my, uh, lower mid year that I was in a class with Steve Turner, right. Who's still a really good friend of mine. Um, but other than that, usually you were, you were the only one in, in your class. <laughs> uh, so that there's so many more students of color, you know, I think also too, that you all are making space at Hotchkiss. Um, but the other big difference that's been a little bit sad for me, honestly, is to see that there is such division and animosity, 
right? Like within that the, the community, particularly amongst the black students. Like we're, I honestly, like I've talked to, you know, other alum and they're, they're all like really upset about it because, you know, we, for us, you know, like we worked so hard to make sure that Hotchkiss would continue to take in more students of color and to start to start to create that space, you know? And like I said, you know, we didn't always get along. Nobody else, nobody, that's just impossible. But I always knew that they had my back and that they were there for me, regardless. I never ever could expect that they would say anything mean and nasty to me, to my face, right? It, it, in such a way, in the ways that I'm hearing, that's happening within the community now. And that's that's really upsetting for me and for a lot of us. Um, and we're kind of hoping to, you know, like to figure out what that is and to see how we can help y'all, right? Like, you know, cause we, we love the school. Like the school has helped so many of us to be where we are in our lives today. And we're so excited that there's so many students of color and that Hotchkiss is truly committing itself to being inclusive and diverse, but that kind of static intention like that that shouldn't be going on yeah definitely and i remember talking about this with dr myers the episode is going to come after this one so people oh, will have cool. to wait a little bit people <laughs> have to wait a little bit the episode's coming soon but i t- i talked about the same thing because for me i talked to like upperclassmen and i remember i think you were probably there where we had like the mocha and cafe yes. meeting in the student center and there's like a bunch of stuff being said by the upperclassmen and i'm like I don't see that within my class. And oh, then that's good. And then I go in and like asking um like some other um head members such as Quaku, and he's like, oh, there's just been a bunch of stuff that happened in the years past that's kind of still hurting people today. And now that's being brought up. And then I'm just like, man, like what is there like that we could do better? Cause yeah. like even though I wasn't directly a part of it. I still feel like that that's my responsibility to see like, oh, what needs to be fixed? And the thing that makes me happy is like how some of the seniors are like, oh, it's good to see like your grade specifically being close together. Because I feel like after prep year, um, the students of color in my grade have gotten pretty close. Oh, cool. And like now we've gotten comfortable to the point like now the black boys are hanging out with the black girls and and like we're cool and making jokes with each other and stuff. Not to the point that it's spe- offensive, okay. but to a point where everybody is cool and comfortable with it. So I'm glad about that. And I feel like hopefully, and I want to make sure that the prep class now and the grades after that, we can hopefully continue that upward trend again. But yeah. yes, I do definitely see what you mean by that develop of animosity between yeah. the race and, and it's just so sad. I, ho- I wish it just never happened in the first place. Yeah, me too. But I'm, I'm really glad to hear that about your class though. That gives me, that warms my heart and it gives me hope, right? Because then you all are going to become the upperclassmen that the other, you know, that the preps and lower mids are looking up to, right? And modeling that behavior. So kudos to you all. Although mine and Dr. Norman's Hoshkiss experiences are drastically different, we are still connected through our journey in so many ways. From similar teachers to drastically different dorm lives, there is a general passion for change between the both of us. Yeah. And maybe switching the topic a little bit. Sure. So, um, as you like return to Hoshkiss after being a student, what led you to be like, oh, I want to come back and work here? So it was uh, it was really interesting how that happened. Um, 
really a lot. And I'll, I'll be honest, like it was, I had a, I had a pretty rough experience at Hotchkiss after my prep year. Like it was just very, um, you know, I, I was just sort of, a, it just became sort of overwhelming. Um, I was a little bit sort of depressed and really feeling that, you know, Hotchkiss wasn't a place in which I, I felt valued as a young black woman. Um, and so it was, you know, I struggled and I actually even, you know, um, my closest friends were a year ahead of me. And when they graduated, when I was a junior, I decided to spend my senior year abroad in Barcelona. Cause I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be better off in Barcelona. I'll learn Spanish. I'll get to see another part of the world. I did that. And I actually stayed away from Hotchkiss for um, a really long time. I think after I graduated in 94, I came back once for a brief trip, like just to show somebody like this is this part of Connecticut, like um, in 2003, maybe late 2002. And then I didn't come back again to my 20th reunion in 2014. Um, And yeah. Yeah. So I, I stayed away. Um, and I have to thank Steve Turner, right? Like class of 94, like our class cheerleader, because I tried to get out of coming to our 20th reunion. I was in a boot because <laughs> like I'd hurt my foot and I was trying to come up, but he knew I was in New York and he literally made it impossible. He found somebody to give me a ride. He helped me like figured out, he was like, nope, you're registered. You've got a room in, in memo. That's where they put us that time. And like, you know, he was like, you have no excuse. I expect to see you. So I was like, okay. Um, and you know, I had a good time. I actually bonded with my class and we had a really, a really good time. We kind of like loosely kept in touch. Um, but, and then 20, our 25th reunion, we just like fell in love with each other. Like, honestly, like just my class and I are super tight now. Um, but when things started, uh, that black and Hotchkiss post is really when things started to, you know, again, be like, wait, what's going on? We started reading that and started talking amongst ourselves and we, and we were like wait what is what this is this kind of these kinds of you know like transgressions are still going on at hotchkiss in 27 2020 like 29 like this is crazy um and so we started reaching out to hotchkiss like you know and then also you know liz hines you know is class of 93 you know you know one of the um the co-heads of the board of governors we we're like you know what like board of trustees we we're like you know what we'd like to speak to you to find out what's going on. What is Hotchkiss doing? We just started reaching out, honestly, and just being like, how can we help as a class? Like, what can we do? What is Hotchkiss doing? We reached out to some of the students. You know, I remember we had a call with uh, Alima, um, Ashley was on one of the calls and just sort of like, you know, what are y'all doing and how can we support you, right? Like, how can we help y'all, you know, craft the document where they, you know, talking about like the student demands for diversity and inclusion at Hotchkiss. Um, and then I was just kept asking, you know, what can we do? And then I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was Mr. Talawi or C. Turn. Somebody was like, you know what? You can teach. Like class is remote now. <laughs> like you've, you know, you have a degree in African, African-American studies. Would you be interested in teaching? And I was like, Oh, I was like, well, you know, I have a full-time job. And they were like, well, we have class in the evening because we're also accommodating overseas students. So I was like, okay, I will, I will teach an African-American studies class. And that's really how it started. So I taught remotely about a year ago, right? I was teaching um, from Colin Kaepernick to Frederick Douglass, you know, understanding our history through current events. And so um, understanding current of our current history through past events. Um, And so I just, then I came in the spring and I was like, it felt so good to be back on campus and to see how much it meant to the students, right? Like that's really what did it for me. Like to see how much they were like, oh, 
it's so great that you're here, like for us to see like, right, a black teacher and just to, you know, like to have someone that looks like us, like, you know, in the, on the faculty. And I was like, you know what, I'm at a time in my life when, you know, like I've been working in tech for the past six years. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm coming to an end with that. And I really want to get back to teaching because that's what I love, right? That's, that's, that's my passion. Um, and so, you know, I talked to folks and, you know, we're sort of like, you know what, like, they were like, yes, we have a place for you. We would love to have you here. So I was like, I, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back because I feel like there's so much I can offer to Hotchkiss now, right? Like with the perspective as a student, now that I'm older, and then also too with, with helping with Hotchkiss's DNI effort, um, you know, in many ways, and particularly when it comes to the curriculum, right? Like it would be great for the curriculum to reflect as the same level of diversity that we have in the student body. Yeah, definitely. And in the light of Black History Month, I asked this question to Isaac in my last episode, who are some Black figures that inspire you? Um, Zora Neale Hurston always inspired me. Her work really, really moved me. Um, I actually read Their Eyes of Watching God when I was a student here. Oh my God, I read that. I read that in seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I loved it. Like with Pat Jones, she was um, the English teacher at the time. Um, you know, we also read Toni Morrison. Um, you know, Angela Davis inspires me uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> Honestly, um, the work of Sonia Sanchez has helped me through, you know, and, and be strong. Another Tracy Chapman, I was listening to her today, her music and, and her continual sort of voice and the strength to, to, to call for change and revolution so that we're all can feel like we're not just surviving, but thriving on this planet. Um, so, you know, Ida B. Wells, right? The work that she did to, to illuminate the, the horrific um, like stories about all the lynchings that were occurring in the South, you know, of African-Americans at a time when it was very dangerous to do that, right? Like she was, again, just very brave and risked her life just because she was like, this message has to get out. Um, so I, yeah, I feel fortunate that, you know, there's so many, you know, Marcus Garvey, like I'm very, <laughs> I'm a very, you know, proud Jamaican and, and, and Marcus Garvey and what ultimately the, the ideology that he, the idea that he wanted folks to be proud of you know, their African roots, right? The execution wasn't the greatest, but he brought that sense of a renewed sense of pride in being black and in and embracing and loving blackness um, that I think still inspires people to this day. Yeah. And so to wrap off today's episode and interview, what is one question you had coming into this interview? And what is one um, what is one question that you still have after this interview is over? So you can ask me away with anything. Oh, um, huh. That's a good one. I guess for me, what is what is it? What does it mean to you? I'd love to hear from you now. Like, what does it mean to you to be a student of color at Hotchkiss right now? Yeah, I think for me, what it means to be a student of color at Hotchkiss is just having like a, um resources and like a sense of advantage to come for you because you're bringing diversity to school and you are able to bring so much to the community. I think my prep year said a lot about that uh, after I think over spring break, 
um, when I got my art- article feature about my own podcast when I was just starting. I think that was probably one of my proudest moments that year. And I realized, I wait a minute, I can actually make a difference in this community. So I think that's the biggest thing. And also just being like a resource for other kids, because I'd be looking around and I'd be seeing other preps who look up to me, whether they're black or white. And I'm like, I'm a person who can make a difference in, in the community. And just because I'm black doesn't mean I can't make as big as big as a difference as somebody right next to me. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Please continue to, to put that out there, put that light out there and to, to pass that, that legacy and knowledge on to those who, who are looking up to you and who are coming, right? Like, exactly. Yeah, thank you so much. For Dr. Norman, to be Black at Hotchkiss is to uphold a legacy of success and to keep the door open for the next generation of students of color. Through hardship and struggle, there have been many black figures who have paid the way for us. Both Isaac and Dr. Norman have given me a lot of insight on their Hotchkiss experience and inspires me to continue to make change in my community. There you have it. That concludes episode three of season two. Make sure to download this episode and subscribe to the podcast. This episode is available on all platforms, so share the link with people you know. Donate to support the show and join the email listing for episode notifications. Until then, stay safe and keep questioning.